What's up, everybody? <laughs> Anyone that hasn't listened to us before is like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, I think, I'm, I think there's something wrong with my HDMI cord or something. <laughs> Just get a lot of beeps and bloops. How's it going, people? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 22. 22. Is today May 1st? It is. Yes. It's the first of May, first man. the day of May. This is, we're ushering you. May flowers. Yeah, we are the May flowers. <laughs> we smell delicious, too. You wouldn't even believe it. You're listening to Witty Banter. I'm your host, Chase Williams, and next to me is the scrumptious man, Hunter Dorsett. Man-child. Man-child. Hunter Dorsett, also co-host. Co-host over here. It's a beautiful day. It's nice and warm here in Austin, and we're ready to get down into the nitty-gritty. To the brass tacks. To the brass tacks over here. How you been, Hunter? You doing well? Good. You still, are you upset after I uh, smashed you in FIFA last night? Oh my gosh, yes. I think you can tell how, like, you got a small sample of how pissed off I get at FIFA. Oh, it was hilarious. Like, you're lucky that you're my best friend. <laughs> Did you see me on the floor just, like, cracking up every time you, like, have it? Oh, dude. You, like, miss a pass and you're like, dude! And I was over there, like, <laughs> yeah. It's infuriating. It's like, I know I made the right play. <laughs> right? Anyway, um, here at Witty Banter, we start off every episode with a beer review. Yes, sir. What beer are we drinking this week, my Today, man? Today, we are going with Victory Brewery's Dirt Wolf Double IPA. Yummy. Okay, and uh, so Double IPA, we're inherently thinking, okay, this is going to be strong, right? Yeah, so while you're pulling out and pouring, I'll go ahead and read the description, then, okay? Sounds good. I got the Tarvin at hand. Perfect. So this is how it describes itself. Darkly heroic. Hum- Humulus lupulus, which is the type of hop it's saying, have empowered brews with bite and character since the 11th century. Dirt Wolf is a tribute to these untamed vines, which rise from the earth with the veracity of a wolf among sheep. Hops have made an assertive comeback. Okay, so you're not going to tell me anything about the actual beer. All right. <laughs> it's just a lot of hops, it looks like. That poor dude. Uh, dude, that, you that were, looks tasty. Yeah, you had that on the line, man. It's like you've been doing this before. I think this is okay. So this is our twenty-second episode yeah. for all those listening. That means that we're finally. Oh gosh, that was almost awful. That was. Um, <laughs> that means that we're finally getting to a podcast number that's equal to or greater than our age. Oh today, man! So. You mean eighteen? Look, <laughs> uh, don't tell people, dude. <laughs> we're illegal then. So the beer boasts an eight point seven percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. All right. So you just poured it up. How's it just looking? Poured it up. Um, it's slightly filtered. I can see through it if I put my hands behind it, but it's not like translucent or anything. It's, it's, it's a little bit filtered. Okay. Um, the head is nice. It's a nice, like white. It's not like brown or anything. It it looks like a summer beer. Yeah. So creamy. Yeah. Which is exciting because it's, you know, May. So I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. Yeah. It's a lot. It looks a lot like our last beer. It's like a yellow gold. Mm -hmm. Um, Deep orange in the middle there. Okay. And um, hopefully it jumps out at me a little bit more than the than the last beer. And the last review, I was so mad at myself. <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I don't know. It felt like it was like a very simple beer, though. So yeah. obviously, so I, I smell the dry hoppiness. Yeah, the aroma is just a hop punch in the hop face. Storm. And very citrus hop, in my okay. opinion. Yeah. 
I can get that. Smells really like tingly and fresh. Tingly and bingly. Smells good though. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm does ready. it does smell quite bingly? Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like that. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, so I just had my first sip, and this is good. I like this beer. Holy shit! Yes. Oh man. <laughs> so it is strong. It comes through in the taste. Um, the hops. Yeah. The hops do. Yeah, the hops come through in the taste. It's not like. It's not like strong, like taking a back strong. It's like yes, strong. Yeah, you know, like enjoyable strong. strong. Bathing uh, in the hops, really. Yeah. What kind of what kind of what kind of jive are you getting from this? Okay, so on my first sip, the the first immediate thing is this shit's drinkable. Okay. Okay. It is barely bitter at all. The bitterness is very minute and comes um, right at the like right at the end of your. It's the lingering flavor or. Effect. So, what do you? What would you say is the real difference between the bitterness and the strength of it? Because I think that it's a strong taste, but I don't think it's strong. What like, though? Like a, like I taste the hops. Yeah. But it's not like usually I associate hops with like extremely bitter. Okay, so when it's really hoppy. I always think that it's like really bitter. So when it's super bitter, it means they put the hops in at the very start of the boil, mm-hmm. and so you basically lose all of the flavor of the hops, but you get all of the bitterness. So you think they might have put this one like midway through? Yeah, this, like this they just did – I think what they did is um, like towards the end of the boil, they put the hops in. So you get most of the hop flavor, and you'll get a little bit of bitterness, which is what I'm saying here. It's it's barely yeah. bitter. Yeah, I get it. It's an enjoyable bitter, honestly. It is. So you get like the hop flavor. You have an enjoyable amount of bitterness, and then they dry hopped it at the end um, after the boil was done, mm-hmm. I believe, maybe. It's surprisingly straightforward. For the aroma. It's surprisingly straightforward too. But it's so damn drinkable. That's, That's why I'm, I'm liking it, That's- yeah. Like I don't, I don't say that to its detriment. Um, I like simple beers as long as they're not, as long as they're just not like basic. I think there's a, I think there's a simp- uh, difference between something that's simple and something that's basic. Ooh. It's like saying like, fine line, my man. Like let me, like let me describe. Okay, okay so you, like, you like sushi, right? I'm a, I'm a sushi goer. You're a sushi goer. So, if I was to give you like a really awesome <clears throat> California roll. Then that would be something that's simple but very good. See, I wasn't I wasn't say basic. Now, if you were gonna get a California roll from like H E B, that would be what I consider basic. Okay. You know what I mean? So you're saying simple is just the Calif- noting on that it's not complex. Yes. Basic is not good in my opinion. Basic is mediocre. okay. So simple is like the amount of ingredients. Right. It's a simple roll to make. Right. But it's basic because it came from a shitty place. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can dig that. But this isn't basic. It's nice and simple. It's very drinkable. All right. I like it. So before we move on, let's just go ahead and sum up our initial reactions. Okay. Smells really strong of hops, citrus hops in my opinion, um, r- which comes through really good on the taste. It's not overwhelmingly hoppy, and it's barely bitter at the very end. Um, it's not sweet. It's easy to drink. It's a pretty color. Uh, I'm feeling good about this. I'm yes. liking this right now. Me too. And by the way, uh, for all of those who are interested in the alcohol by volume, it is 8.7%. So Hunter, I already nice. said that. Oh, you did? Yeah. I must have just been dozing off. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's just a reminder for all you people. It happens. Okay. Um, you got your... Uh, I think I'm ready to go, man. You got your, you're all ready? Your phone's on airplane mode? You're, I'm doop-de-doo, dude. You know what's funny about airplane mode? Is like I feel like when you un-airplane mode your phone, it's like, let me let me see what presents I've received from the past. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Let me bring you back into the world. <laughs> yeah. Let me the see texts. who has talked to me. No one? Not Great. Awesome. All right. Um, so I guess we're going to go ahead and dive right into, into the get, banter, get huh? Some, get some news stories out of the way. Let's do it. Okay. okay man. This is Witty Banter. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> okay. Um, so you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Do you have a preference, sir host? Uh, let's let's Rochambeau it. Rochambeau? Yeah. On okay. shoot. Ready? Rochambeau shoot. <laughs> you did. Okay, I'm Come sorry. on. Right. Rochambeau shoot. Rochambeau shoot. Rochambeau shoot. Rochambeau shoot. Rochambeau shoot. Ah, damn it! That was, that was ridiculous, okay, dude. So I get to go first. All right, go I ahead. On, go uh, ahead. On a scissors versus paper. All Wait. right, so my quick My quick fire number one. I tried to make my news stories this time a little bit not like, like the same thing that I usually talk about. So this time, uh, I thought that this was interesting. So uh, Dolce and Gabbana are okay. apparently going to go to jail for like eighteen months. What? So, uh, first of all, is that the name of like the people who own the company? Yes, the it's what? Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana. Stefano Gabbana. Like, like both of those names totally just roll with each other. Yeah. Pero Dolce and Stefano Gabbana. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's, okay, so each of them were given a reduced uh, sentence of eighteen months on Wednesday. It was, okay. like, it was originally going to be like 20, 20 months, but. What they ended up doing was yeah, for um, what? they had charges of using a Luxembourg holding company named Gado, G-A-D-O, okay. uh, to avoid paying Italian taxes on royalties of about a billion euros. Come on, man. A billion euros. That's $1.38 billion. Okay, so Giorgio Armani paid uh, – just to kind of give you like a reference of – this is like a trend almost that's happening in the fashion world. Yeah. So Giorgio Armani had to pay 270 million euros to tax authorities in April okay. because he was avoiding them and stuff. And then um, Prada Holding, which ho- owns Prada, had to pay 420 million euros to settle taxes last uh, Jesus in, uh, last December. So like for some reason the fashion industry just thinks that they're like immune. immune that taxes. dude, that infuriates me. It's like not only are you the richest fuckers in the world who, like, hang, out with hot who hang out with the hottest supermodels of all time and wear the nicest clothes ever, but you're like. You know what? I can afford all this, but I still like you know. That's the taxes. Yeah, like fuck <laughs> off, man. My life's more. I'm over here. Taxes. You know, we we both get our tax return for like 300 bucks, and we're like, thank yes. God. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's that's sickening. Yeah, and but uh, in 18 that, months, huh? Yeah, and I think that a large reason is because Italian has uh, one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world. Mm. Uh, I didn't get a percentage on it, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Well, that the fashion industry in Italy just decided to. You got two very assholes. pretty boys in a prison, so <laughs> see what yeah, happens. We'll see, what, <laughs> see where they go. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's my number one, my schwan, my beat up. My overall number two. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we're we're keeping tally on these. Microsoft buys a wearable wearable computing technology for more than a hundred million dollars. So, in a recent deal, they acquired 81 patents from a company called ODG Optical Digital Group. All right. So they're only buying intellectual intellectual property from them. Okay. And um, generally, most of the designs are focused on see-through optical displays, and uh, one more little caveat before we dive into this. The biggest customer that this ODG company has is actually the government. So okay. – and on the little article I saw, it showed like a picture, and it was like a pair of glasses with little earbuds that came down into your ears. Yes. And they're thinking that this wearable technology is going to be used for maybe like uh, augmented reality okay. where you're – you know, you're looking at something real, but there's stuff being overlaid on top of like what you're seeing or whatever. I think that's going to be so confusing to me. A little heads I up display. Barely handle regular reality. Jeez. <laughs> a little fake heads up display. That'd be cool. 
Like, is that a HUD? Yeah. Okay, because I'd always heard that. I was like, what the hell is HUD? Oh, there you go. Heads up display. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Just like superimposing virtual realities on top of a, um, like on top of actual reality. Look, have you ever played um, like the the virtual reality games on the Nintendo 3DS? No. They're amazing. All right. You basically yeah, but are you like superimposing reality on top of reality? What you do is you put a card on the table and you look okay. at the card through the camera on the 3DS. Oh, okay. And then it, what it does is the card will start, like, unraveling and put little people on your desk, and you're, like, you're playing a game on your own desk, basically. But that's cool. That's, that's what this is. Yeah, but this is, like, I'm talking about, like, wearable technology where, like, that's all the time. Like, but think, no, like but, I could see a tree, and it'll just hallucinogenically start, like, forming arms and legs and be like, hey, what's up, Hunter? And I'm going to be like, what the hell is this? Look, I don't <laughs> think Microsoft has that in mind when they bought this company. <laughs> There, I mean, just think about it in the gaming sphere. You know, okay. I, I think that it's cool. I just, I'm just worried about the change <laughs> that I'm gonna have to make. Just give it 20 years, baby. <laughs> They've already been fucking around with contacts that have, you know, yeah, camera isn't, lenses didn't in it. Glass uh, secure a patent on the ability to be able to do kind of like stuff like that with uh, contact. I've heard they've already made prototypes. Jesus. Yeah, where it's got little cameras in your eyeballs. I just don't know about that, man. <laughs> it's too much. Why? I am I am a a little bit against. You're a luddite. Over. I'm a I'm a luddite in a sense. Like it's not that I'm against technology because I use technology a lot and I think that it's like super beneficial. I'm just like against overly rapid changes in technology, like changes that are going to be so big and so. It's like the definition of technology. At yeah, this point. I know, but like some, I don't think that technology technological changes are always good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And I think that I think that people are so invigorated by the newness and by the feeling that it gives you that they don't really look at like what it's going to mean for them. I mean, I think to that point too, I, th I think wearable technology is almost like, what can we do next? Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. And at, at the, cause like, what's the point really? Like, what is the point of Google glasses? Please tell I me. I kind of just want to skip the generation of wearable technology <laughs> until I at least know that it like, unless implanted it really, technology, unless it really like catches on or something like I saw. Okay. So the Elysium thing, I thought that was pretty cool where was, they basically just like have a hard drive, like in the back of their, like right behind their ear. So you think that's cool, but you don't want to wear glasses that put shit on your eyes. I just don't want my reality to be obscured by, by some virtual you know, nonsense. I mean, it's not going to get to the point where people put on these glasses and forget they're, that they're in real life. How do you know? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the whole idea of Inception, kind of. It's like you don't really – you kind of start blurring the lines between what's real and what's not. I mean, you said you lucid dreamed all the time, right? And you kind of yeah. like – started almost losing sight of, like, what was real and what was not. not. Well, no, you just have, like, dreams that are so vivid. You're like, holy fuck, that felt real. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. like, yeah, if, like, 20 minutes after you woke up, you're, like, in a haze. You're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I just think that, like, I think it would be a cool thing to, to do every once in a while. But if it's something that you do, like, even just walking to class, then you need to not do that. Right. That's kind of how I look at it. Like, Wait. Give me an example. Do walking to class. So if I'm just, like... You know, if I'm just, like, walking to class and I, like, see people passing by and I'm just, like, looking at all this virtual reality stuff. Yeah, and they're, like, heads up display, like, you just saw Ashley, yeah, blah, blah, blah. that's Rebecca Shimmingsworth. Yeah, and she has... Like super creep. Yeah, and, exactly. I don't know. It's just... It's too much. Like, use your brain. Use your brain. Y your brain's good enough. It's a supercomputer <laughs> in and of itself. Just let it do its thing. Okay. Um, I think the reason I chose that story, because I'm excited about research and development at Microsoft, because they haven't come out with their own VR headset yet, so maybe they're doing something different. That know? would be cool, man. I, I'm, I'm looking forward 
to seeing what Microsoft can do in that genre. Yeah, exactly. The VR. Okay. All right. So quick fire number two for me. Neck one honey bun. Neck one honey bun. You want change? A cookie for you. Cookie for you, Choro. Okay, so quick fire number two for me. Three for the actually, podcast. <laughs> three for the podcast. <laughs> is actually um, very funny. I think that it's like interesting to the point where like it's it, it'll make a difference maybe, but I thought it was funny okay. just by nature. <laughs> So apparently in Argentina, scientists have been doing uh, some some studies, and the National Institute, the Argentinian National Institute of Agriculture Technology, designed a backpack system that directly connects to a tube in like the stomach of a cow. Right? What? And this, uh, it extracts methane that the cow naturally produces from its digestion process. Uh-huh. Because apparently, uh, like, the kinds of fermentation that happens that creates methane within certain animals whenever they digest some, some of the foods that they do, or some of the foods that they eat, um, is actually, like, the second leading cause of methane emissions. Just like cows farting. <laughs> Seriously. It's, a, it's, a, it's an actual deal. So um, they're basically, like... <laughs> creating this little backpack thing that like filters their farts <laughs> and <laughs> creates like not only reduces emissions but creates power because we get like methane and it's like a it's like a form of natural uh, gas it's like a form of a renewable resource that we can use to power things dude that's so ridiculous the methane from cattle accounts for 25% of all emissions <laughs> oh my god so it's actually like a legitimate thing where like <laughs> if they could somehow harness the ability the power of farts the, the power of cow farts you hear that max you got a new job <laughs> <laughs> you're going to power texas buddy we're going to pay you we're big gonna for it. We're going to hook up a backpack to you, dude. <laughs> yeah. But, and we're going to uh, take us to the moon. But, yeah, it's – it's I don't know. Apparently, like, I didn't realize that this was even, like, an issue. That, like, <laughs> that like natural animal farts were actually a form of emissions, apparently. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting for me to see that 25% of all emissions come from cow farts. That's ridiculous. And, and, like, we can somehow harness that into a power that we can use in the future and hopefully even, like, reduce, you know, global warming with that kind of effort. So, I mean, see. so how does this backpack work? Is it, like, a picture? They, okay. Is this, like, surgically they added onto them? They didn't them? have a picture for it. It said it directly connects to a tube in the rumen, a large compartment of the bovine stomach, to extract... To extract, filter the methane into a plastic bag. That's all they said. Because if anything, I'm worried that these, like, cows are getting... It'll probably be, fuck, like, awful for the cows. Yeah, that sucks. Which, which uh, a lot of the comments that I read regarding that article were in the same vein. And yeah. And I completely agree. I, I have a really soft spot for animals. Hell yeah. I'm not like a suit. I'm not like PETA. You know, I'm not, like, mm -hmm. fighting for animal rights because eventually, like... It comes down to me. Yeah, but, I, I agree. But at the same time, like I have, I have a really soft spot for animals, so I don't, I don't want to just do things just to do it, you know? And, right. Like if it's gonna be torturous for them, but uh, if we could do it somehow in a way that was like, you know, safe for the cows and 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 it wasn't like horrible for them, then I think that it might actually like. If if it, hey, if, dude. if it really is twenty five percent of all, I was about to say if twenty five percent actually like seriously make a difference. Our ozone like is twenty five percent cow fart. Then. <laughs> We gotta do something, man. That's... Our ozone. Beetle, beep, That's funded by cow farts. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That hole in the ozone funded by cow farts. 
Dude, you got to stop polluting, <laughs> Atmosphere, man. brought to you by cow farts. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. All right, so, uh, all right, number four, dude. Yep. Number two for me. Number two for you, para ti. So, Xbox has unveiled some details about its ambitions for its Xbox TV program. Xbox TV program. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit um, really? a, long, a long time ago. We talked about how they're going to be doing like a Halo series that was produced by Steven Spielberg. Well, okay. a- Xbox TV is way more – exists way beyond just the Halo project, all right? So Xbox TV is basically trying to – they're trying to be a content provider for television shows that you can get through your Xbox. Oh, jeez. So – Basically, we got a few more details as as to like what they've been working on. Okay. Um, so first of all, their their first program that they're going to release is called Every Street United, which is like a global street soccer series, which is where they like go through all these towns throughout the world and find the best street soccer players. And I think they're going to eventually meet at the World Cup and do something with them. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> they're also I'm already stoked. They're also doing a um, a a Bonnaroo special where they're going to live stream Bonnaroo and you're going to be able to pick which feed you're watching so you can see the shows that you want to watch. Wow. Which is really cool. That is awesome. Um, they also have this game documentary where recently – so quick background. I think it was on the Atari. A game – like an E.T. movie game was made. And there was so many of them made. There was more – more of these cartridges were made than consoles even existed. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, the making of this game almost like collapsed the gaming industry, and they buried... The E.T. game? Yeah, this E.T. game. I've never even heard of it. And they buried all the cartridges underneath, uh, in the desert of Arizona. And they're making... (laughs) What? Yeah, and they're making... This is like a comic story. Yeah, and they're making a a documentary where they actually, just very recently, I think in the past like week and a half, they went and unburied and found all these E.T. things. (laughs) So this documentary is going to come on Xbox TV as well. Um, Can I have a question for you? Yeah, sure. So these – Well, hold on. Let me – Okay, keep going. Let me finish real keep quick. Keep doing your thing. Um, so they basically – long story short, they have 12 programs lined up so far for Xbox TV. Um, and, and the biggest heartbreak of this all was that the Halo TV series seems to have gotten the least amount of attention. Oh. Like they still haven't announced like who's writing for it, blah, blah, blah. It's still like going to happen, but it seems like they're putting that on hold right now, which sucks. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, to note on that, like – I feel like that's not the hugest surprise. I'm not saying that Halo's irrelevant, but I'm kind of saying Halo's irrelevant now. Okay. Like, like, I think that people still play it and still have a huge soft spot for it, but it's like, we're not in, like, the middle of Halo era anymore. Yeah. I think it's kind of... That's very true, man. I think it's kind of past. It's a good observation. Um, At the same time, I was going to ask, are these contents that are being put out by this uh, supposed Xbox TV program, are they going to be, like, like... Provided and distributed by Xbox itself, or is Xbox just going to be the middleman and kind of like use other like? So that's a really interesting question. And here's why: or something. because on the one hand, you can get it through your Xbox with an Xbox Live Gold subscription. So right. you have to, when you factor that all together, that is a um, five hundred dollar console with a fifty dollar a year subscription. Okay. Now that compared to what you pay every year for cable could vary, right? Right. And if it gets to the point where you buy your Xbox and you have content provided by Xbox TV and you have your Netflixes and Hulus and all that. Maybe you don't need cable anymore, and so there's a trade-off. Right. It's starting to get that way. But at the same time, Phil Spencer also said that the project is not exclusive to Xbox Live. Okay. So if that's the case, 
what else where else can you get it you know and and that's what they didn't say yeah so i don't i don't know yet cuz you know if they're if they're battling against amazon and netflix who are already Providing their own, you know, Netflix is doing their own That's content. That's basically what I was getting at. Yeah, they're already doing their own content, blah blah blah. But you can get it everywhere compared right. to where Xbox is looking like they're doing their own content, but you can only get it on Xbox and and maybe somewhere else, as Phil Spencer's hinting at. It's it's just gonna be a weird trade off. That's what yeah, that was basically what I was getting at because Netflix, Netflix, you know, whenever they made House of Cards, they're like, okay, so this is a series that we are producing, we're doing it all internally. It's a vertically integrated project that we're doing you know what i mean right so that they, that, that's kind of what i'm wondering too. they yeah, had a big, big budget, budget for it so I, that's what i was kind of wondering with xbox is if it was going to be more of like a vertically integrated like they're paying for everything and all of this stuff yeah. is going through them or if they're using like other providers of content to be able to kind of stream like bring them Xbox, on board you know what i mean because that's different those are two different concepts. So yeah i mean I, they have to be at least outsourcing the people who are making all of this content already and whether or not they actually own the people they're using to what, generate own it own the people <laughs> they own the slaves capitalism <laughs> <laughs> we own you <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know um but anyway, at least at least some of the projects sound cool, and and I didn't highlight all of them because there's twelve. But they basically have some TV dramas that they're gonna do. Good, dude. Uh, you know, and things like that. So, and so okay, so the, you said that so TV dramas, right? Yes. And, and the Bonnery thing, and, 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 they, the Halo and then they thing. didn't say where else you can access these things. So if they made a TV drama. That was exclusive. Are you going to speculate that it's going to be through Xbox? Or are you going to speculate that somebody's going to make it and then Xbox will stream it? I think it has to be at some in some way exclusive to Xbox. Okay. Because it's called Xbox TV. That's what I'm saying. Is like, that's why I'm kind of confused by it. And and maybe I don't. I just don't know the other avenues. Like if it's not if you can't if you can get it elsewhere through Xbox Live, it's like how where else would could you go without? <laughs> yeah. Because they're gonna have to charge you for it's it. Like PlayStation can also have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> guys! The one competitive advantage. So yeah. close. Okay, well, cool. So that's your number four, right? Yeah, so... so should we uh, work on our way to Conversation Peaches? Yeah, I think this bit of bipo brings us to our peaches. Okay, for well, sure. uh, we're, we're going to try and avoid the pits for all the, all the listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, no bruises this time. So uh, my Conversation Peach is about Twitter. Um, Yay. And I was kind of telling Chase a little bit beforehand, we, don't, we try and really withhold the news stories from each other before the... Before we actually have our episode, but yeah, I did tell him that like going into this thing, it's a lot more of a speculation news item. It's not necessarily like this is really controversial and why. It's more like these are the results of this thing. What Let's do you speculate think about that? on it going forward? So okay. it's about Twitter. Um, Twitter stock hit a all-time low since their IPO in November. What's uh, an IPO? On it's an initial public offering. It's okay. where a company goes from being a private company yep. to being completely sold on the stock market, you know, being a public company. Okay, awesome. Okay, so in the, that happened in November, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this has been its first real full fiscal quarter being a public company. Wait, seriously? If they're that, being a public company. They're that newly public? Newly public, yes. Wow, Okay. Um, and what kind of happens on the regular whenever companies initially go public is there's this weird effect. And, like, for some reason, economists can't really, like, give a real – like, they give good explanations as far as, like, the things that surround it. But there's not, like, a formula or, like, a diagram or anything that they can really go to that really 
understands mm -hmm. this process. It's but very like, unpredictable. When a, when a company goes public, like for some reason, there's this huge spike in the price. Like everyone gets super stoked about this company going public, mm -hmm. and then like a few days later, it just drops. You know, and so I think that they had like a really good public offering. Like they're when they went public, they had a good raise in the stock prices or whatever. But it reached an all-time low this last Tuesday, okay? And it was like a 10% slide on after-hours trading. So people are kind of like wondering, is Twitter really following the footsteps that they should be in order to become like this global standard software thing? Like Facebook, basically? Like they're, they're, they're looking at Facebook as almost a benchmark and saying, okay, well, Facebook was here, 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 here at these different times in its business life okay. cycle. So is, is Twitter going to be here? And it's, and it's an interesting topic because, um, you know, Twitter actually doubled if, its revenue this year or this quarter from last quarter. Wow. Um, it made 250 million compared to 114 million in the earlier year period. You know, Pip, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so, you know, like the revenues are actually in line with the forecast that the analysts are putting out. But uh, there's also been a four-quarter trend, uh, like negative growth rate of users that are going coming in. So okay. like, instead of instead, it's, it's not that there's user less base people, is growing, but at a, a slower at a, rate. at a slower rate for the past four quarters. Okay, so and everyone's kind of surprised by that because they kind of thought that if they go public, it would be this big thing where like everyone jumps on board. It would be this kind of like standard that like okay, I get a smartphone, I get Twitter and Facebook, like boom. Yeah. Okay. And it's not because well let's uh, let's go ahead and stop there and let me throw out like let me just say two like a couple things throw in some some stuff so bro. what's funny is I had no idea about like them being private for so long them going public or whatever my perception of Twitter has largely stayed the same since I've started using Twitter right which and is recently right I no I got Twitter probably two and a half years ago two Seriously? years ago yeah I didn't but you use, don't it, use it very often. I didn't use it very okay. often right. So my perception of Twitter has largely, st largely stayed the same, and my perception of Twitter is a positive one. So that's a good thing, right? Even, mm -hmm. if, even if the stock is going down or whatever, I'm still, I still see Twitter as you know, a fun thing. I, I, it's a really awesome way to yeah, get your name out. Yeah, it hasn't lost any gusto. Yeah, you, when you get a huge number behind your name, there's a reason for that, right? You need the Tarvin? You need the Tarvin? I need to get my next beer popping. There you go. Um... But then, I agree. But then when you tell me that they're, A, not hitting the benchmarks that – In user growth. Right. If they're not hitting the benchmarks that Facebook is hitting in their lifespan right. simultaneously with their user growth being negative, that that's a bit – I mean that's a telling sign. Yeah. Because if anything, my perception of Twitter has gotten better over time. My, my perception of Facebook has gotten worse over time. Yeah. So – Right. Well, I mean – your perception of Facebook has probably gotten worse because it's gotten to such a big standard, you know? Like, everyone uses Facebook, and it's gotten to the point where, like, your newsfeed ends up getting blown up with all this, like, stupid stuff that you don't care about, right? Yeah, it's a large part of it. And so that's, like, why a lot of people that do Twitter are like, oh, you only have to follow the people that you want to follow. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to be friends with people. You can just follow people. Yeah, which I really like. Which is cool. It's a cool concept or whatever. But at the same time, so... Like what people are wondering or what analysts are wondering is if Twitter is going to be like a – if it's going to be this thing that everyone has to get that, that Facebook has clearly established. Because you have to get a Facebook? Is that be what you're saying? Because, because Facebook has five times the users that Twitter has. Twitter has 255 million users. Facebook has 1.3 billion users. 
Let's and see. so and so one point like, three billion billion Are users. You sharding of me, dude? No, that's ridiculous. That's outrageous. And so and and like, let me unpack that real quick. Do, Is do that cool? Want, okay. Do what so you want with that? I think with Facebook, the reason maybe that that's the case and why that almost doesn't worry me is because I think. I think a ton of people get Facebook and don't use it. I think a large, like there's a huge portion of you know Facebook users out there, like my my like my nana, <laughs> who you you know who love exactly, on Facebook, <laughs> who only have like a hundred friends or whatever, and they do their own thing and that's it. Of course. But I feel like uh, when you get a Twitter, it's almost, I mean, it, it's almost like a it's more a, proactive, a concentrated almost. thing where I'm getting this for a reason. You almost have a goal with Twitter. Yeah, in a large like, part. I want people to hear me because I'm saying these things. Yeah, and, and I f- I feel like to that end, Twitter is almost holds more. Ah, it's so. Uh, it's more of like a social status thing than Facebook is. I think Facebook is more of like I think okay. Twitter's more of a tool than Facebook is. A tool to promote whatever you're exactly promoting. though. But that's what analysts are worried about because because Twitter's a tool. It's a serv- It's a niche service that can be provided, and yes. Yeah, how niche is it, and how many users that's, they have? That's what, and that's what they're saying. They know? have 255 million users. That's a big – that's, that's a big I mean, is that not yeah. – you can't call that a niche anymore, can you? No. I mean, but yeah, you can because in comparison to the standard of Facebook, which if they're falling 1. in line 3 with – 1.3 billion. 1.3 billion users of Facebook. It's so ridiculous. Basically, what, they're, what, they're, what analysts are wondering is if – Twitter is going to be this niche service that allows, you know, people because like celebrities love Twitter. People that are like really influential actually like Twitter because it's a really easy way for them to just get a very short thought out to millions of people. That's why and I love it, Twitter and, too. Yeah, it's a it's window great. into the people you actually And plus like, you can interact with people that you, you know, you celebrities you were, were not even in your realm of being able to interact with. But it's almost like is that what it's only use is is like communication on a you know social status and like reaching out to people that you can't normally reach out to level or is it going to be this thing where like everyone's like okay i need a twitter because it's a part of my daily life and that's kind of what everyone is wondering about right now especially with these kind of contradicting facts that they have going forward and um it's uh, like in the article that i read it said scale matters to twitter's core business because it gives advertisers a big audience of potential targets. Uh, growth also factors heavily into Twitter's market value, which now sits at a lofty $22.5 billion. So if we have Twitter as a tool for like self-promotion and interaction, what do you think um, Facebook's appeal is and why they have so many users? I think Facebook's appeal is that it's not as much of like a proactive effort for Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's more of just like, a, here's what I'm doing. You know, like, I did this today, I think this today. Like, whereas Twitter's, like, Twitter's so much more of, like, a, um up-to-date thing. Like, like when you're on Twitter and you really like Twitter and you use it a lot, you're, you're constantly on it because there's so much information flowing through it. Yeah. That you're trying to, like, keep up with the times almost, and then you're, like, commenting on those times. And you're like, this is what I think of this, this is what I think of that. Whereas Facebook's more just like, this is what I'm doing. You know, like, I think this. Because it's funny, I know I know people who use Facebook as as networking, right? Right. But at the same time, I think that's dumb. It's not entirely true. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's come on. It's, Facebook is networking. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a way to have an entire like a if you have like two thousand friends on Facebook, all these people that you've come in contact with at some point or another, or you know through other people, 
and yeah, you see th- good and you see them posting about something that maybe you can use to your own advantage. You can reach out to them, blah blah blah. But at the same time, LinkedIn is a like a more concentrated version of that, where that is it is for networking. That's what I do, right? do for networking. Yes, and I I, I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but. Beep beep boop, dude. So, like, okay, the whole the whole speculation that I'm throwing forward. Here's one more fact to consider in this: the company remained unprofitable this quarter. They had a 132.4 million dollar loss. As okay, then they're too ambitious. To 27 right now. million dollars in the past. Really? What yeah. the fuck? Dude, so Twitter's a fall It's so rough funny, times. like how little you know about business, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> because like all I do is sit around and like look at numbers all day. So like that makes sense to me. But you're like, what? They have huge revenues and losses. Like that's like totally happens a lot, man. Like, that's crazy. Large revenues, big losses, especially at the beginning of your company lo- company's life cycle. But do you think it's as a result of of Twitter being too ambitious? They're like see their own momentum and because of that they're like super emboldened by it and they they overreach, you know? I don't think they over I, I just I think that as far as like I think the market is unsure as to whether Twitter is is a must have. Whether or not I don't it's think going, it is. Whether or not it's going to take off into Actually, the billions fuck. of users that Facebook has now a co- you know, a company or whatever, if it's going to get to that level, because I mean, I it think, will eventually, of course, get to that level. I think They're Twitter. Already... I think Twitter is a must-have for like things like businesses, whereas for smart people, I feel like I feel like it's more of like a smart people app. Whereas like, Facebook's dude, there's a lot like of a... stupid people on Twitter. There's a lot of stupid people on Twitter, but it's like people that have that want to speak up about something. Whereas like Facebook's like you don't have to speak up about something. Okay, what about the people? It's who, just like my profile. But what about the people who use Twitter to just be like, I'm at the park today and I love the sunshine. Hashtag sun. That's saying something, but that's not like that's like yeah, I don't know. Because like if you really think about it, you can use it however you want. Like you could say the exact same things on Twitter and Facebook if you want. But it's it's just, I feel like the average user between Twitter and Facebook is using Twitter in a way to like kind of like express opinions that they normally wouldn't express because they're kind of like locked up inside. It's almost like a way to like if, – if you want to be really honest, it's almost like a public diary in a way that you're like willing to let people read because you're just like, okay, well, this is my inner thought on these things and like I'm going to put this out there. Okay. I, I feel like the average user of Twitter kind of does that. They see all you're saying Twitter's a public diary? Yes. Dude, Facebook's a public diary. Really? Oh, are you kidding me? It's nothing but public diary. See, I think that Facebook's more of just like a check-in thing. I think it's a total – I think you've reversed the roles. <laughs> I really do. Because think, think about it. What is on, – on your status update, in the little box that you type, what does it say? It says you mean what's, for, Facebook? for Facebook, what's on your mind? Yeah. That's a very – like that's a diary way to look at things. This yeah, is what's on my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but at the same time, like the, I feel like the average user of Twitter that actually really likes Twitter and is like – the Twitter ideal user posts like seven times a day or six times a day or something. Whereas like Facebook, I might only post like once every one or th- like three days, you know? Okay. And and I think that that's kind of like the difference in. But are you the average Facebook user? Because you got. I'm definitely the average Facebook user. I'm not the average Twitter user. Dude, I, I think the average Facebook user is on maybe there like way more often. Day, maybe. And you may not be posting, but the average Facebook user is liking I get a, on a once a day, shit. but I don't post that often. 
So what's the difference? I mean, if you're using it and you're seeing ads, that's what's generating revenue for them. So they like then yeah, and you know, that's like the largest portion of Facebook's uh, income is is advertising. And and you even mentioned ads on like earlier. And if if Twitter's getting the majority of their money from ads, then yeah, I don't think they can ever eclipse the numbers that Facebook does. So uh, so the ultimate question with this conversation, Peach, we'll put it at this. Okay. <laughs> Do you think that Twitter will ever get to the level that Facebook's at right now? No. You don't. No. Okay. I think there's an appeal to Facebook that's just like. Here, it's so odd. It's honestly very odd why it appeals Dude, it's, more. it's a way to craft your, your internet personality. And whether you think it or not, like you are choosing the pictures. Twitter is too, though. Not at all. Well, not at all. Okay, of course. <laughs> yes, it of is. course. <laughs> it's things you say. I know. Okay. But I'm, I'm just saying with Facebook, you choose the pictures you want people to see. Mm-hmm. You choose the things that, they want, that you want them to read about you. Mm-hmm. You choose the things that you say that other people will read and comment on. Yeah, you can't hide a lot of stuff in Twitter. I feel like you like have, if you do something on Twitter, like it's out there. Yeah, you have one profile picture, a cover photo, and your tweets, and that's it. Yeah. Where Facebook's all about like kind of crafting a virtual like reality of yourself. Yeah. You know. I hear that Twitter might be doing uh, works to try and make like a profile kind of thing though. Fuck that. Ugh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, that, I agree with you. I that, don't think that I don't think that they'll eclipse Facebook. I think that they'll. Um, I think it'll continue being what it is, which is like. A way for users of Twitter to be able to access like vital information that is actually relevant to their interests. Yeah, but instead I'd... of instead of this thing where like I need to have it no matter who I am, where right. I am, what I do. No, I agree with that. And I think the last little anecdote is that Twitter as a tool I think is more valuable than Facebook as a tool, especially when you have like an up and coming business. Because like sure. the marketing that you can do through it's Twitter. So it's just there's so many strategies out there. I mean, my dad's like company almost specializes in that, and they're like a ten billion dollar company. Yeah, and their biggest thing is Twitter, and, and yeah. that's that's incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, okay, cool. All right, great peach. Are you ready to get into mine? I'm ready to check out your peach. My peach is ripe as is fuck. it ripe as hell? Uh huh. Bit of pip. Bit of pip. So a long time ago, we talked about Bitcoin, and we, yes. were, we were pretty hyped about I forgot Bitcoin. That was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So we're hyped about Bitcoin. We both said that we would like to buy bitcoins. Well, I'm going to bring you a little story coming from MIT. Is it going to bring me to reality on the Bitcoin? No, no. It's going to – this is op, this is Bitcoin so this optimism. This is optimism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, some Bitcoin we're optimism. We're trying to be happy up in this mug. Little pop. <laughs> so at MIT, a guy named Jeremy Rubin, a sophomore in studying computer science. Yes. Just a little background on this guy. Give it all. Is creating an organization. Okay. okay? And yeah. through this organization, what their goal is – is to provide bitcoins to every student in MIT. Wow. They already have $500,000 in donations from yeah. people that are trying to get into bitcoins. Exactly. So they have 500,000 people who are supporting this program and with that $500,000 they're going to buy bitcoins and then distribute them to the entire MIT campus. Okay? Totally so, proportionally to who donated, right? I mean, no, they're giving them to every student. Oh, it's just a donation. Yeah. It's like we just want to give people Bitcoin. Every student at MIT Holy will get fuck. Bitcoins. Okay? Oh, my God. So, okay, so that's, that's a distribution to 4,528 undergraduates. Mm-hmm. The distribution will happen this fall, and it will make MIT the first place in the world where it will be possible to assume widespread Bitcoin access. 
Um, and they plan to use the time between now and the, the distribution to build a Bitcoin ecosystem where they will have like Bitcoin club members educate merchants around campus and help them set up their Bitcoin like payment acceptance and they'll tell students like what's all about Bitcoins. This is badass. Yes. I'm so stoked about yeah, this. Yeah, right? This is wild. So MIT, who is just known for being like the forefront arrowhead of techno yeah. technological progress, oh, yeah. is basically accepting Bitcoins, giving them to their entire student body, and allowing all of their – well, maybe not all, but the majority of things going around campus, like you, you can use your Bitcoins around campus. Right, dude. That gives me such validity to this thing. And not only that, but think about this way. It's like if I get my Bitcoins, you get your Bitcoins. We can look at it two ways, right? Yes. We can either use our Bitcoins to go buy stuff rather than money. Or we, we could be, team up or something. We could team up and be like, let's get Bitcoins. Let's start a business in MIT to get other people's Bitcoins. Because right. if you think about it, Bitcoins is this tiny little ecosystem where there's like a set amount of Bitcoins, just how Bitcoins is in real life anyway. And you're like, okay, well, if these things are of value, I'm going to try to amass as many as that I can. Right, yeah. You can do that as, as a, a Bitcoin business. There. Yeah. Well, or have a business that you start up that accepts Bitcoins. That too. Well, yeah, so, well, that would so, be the first step. But yeah, dude, that's so awesome. Like, that's going to be huge, man. Like, I didn't read anything about that um, in any of the news articles that I browsed through for yeah. today. That is awesome. I just – and if anything, what it does is brings a little more legitimacy to Bitcoin. Hell yeah, because the smartest people are using it. And not, yeah, and MIT has been in like a stab, an established th authority on technology and geniuses essentially <laughs> Fuck yeah. for, like, for like 40 years, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and then you have someone say like, oh, by the way, their entire campus is Bitcoin friendly. There's a lot of legit legitimacy that Hell that brings. Hell yeah, dude. I'm really glad you brought this to the table because – I'm still undecided with like buy them. Yeah, the controversial nature of Do you, Bitcoin. Well, so I, I don't want to invest in something that's so controversial, but God, it looks good. I, that's the thing is, I I was with some people last Friday, and Bitcoin's got mentioned like briefly. Okay, okay. And, and I was, you had a little to bring to the table. I hope. Yeah. So I I stepped up to the plate and I was like, Bitcoins are fucking dope. And someone was like, Why? I was like, and just my one little sentence was because it's unrelated currency. And then someone just said, yeah, that's terrifying. And yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I wanted to say, like, yes, it is. But can you help me, like, work through my own optimism? Like, okay, you want me to, like, explain to you why Bitcoins are optimistic? As, as far as being unregulated, though, I think that is Bitcoin's greatest, almost, it's greatest like a, trait. You it's know? like a great trait, but a great weakness. Exactly. Okay. It's a, what, not it's hubris, a double edged but... sword in a way. Okay, so. The thing about it being unregulated is great because it means that there will never be any sort of governmental influence that will allow, like, agendas to be attached to the currency itself. Yeah, or, or have it manipulated. Right. If anything, I feel that bitcoins are – or any unregulated currency is, is the perfect way to see an actual market. Because right. I, like, I feel like markets are, act, are manipulated. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a scientific ex, uh, experiment of a market. Yeah, it's, it's, this is what the market is because this is where the currency went. Right, and, and it's also entirely value-based, right? So it's not – it has nothing to do with like any sorts of like obligations that the people that hold these things have to each other. It's like it's literally derived in value from the things that you can trade it for. Right. Which is only – which is literally entirely on like trust and the person across from you being like, okay, I have this, you have Bitcoin, let's trade. Yes. So I think that your optimism is entirely well-founded, 
the only things that people can really say against it are one that the security is still up in the air as far as it being a safe investment for actual real regulated money. Yeah, tomorrow we could wake up and it could be worth zero dollars, right? Yeah, I could, I could, well, because I hear, I hear conflicting opinions. Like people that are really like big Bitcoin proponents say that it's safer than money and it's safer than credit cards because one, your transaction costs are like way lower, especially in consideration against credit cards and then against cash like you can't just have somebody like steal your bitcoins out of your virtual wallet okay the only way that people lost their bitcoins is by going through exchanges i feel like if you if you keep your bitcoins in your own virtual wallet there's literally like almost no way for them to just get stolen from you that's like how in depth the security features are of bitcoins i think my biggest problem is with any fiat currency where there's nothing backing it, currency almost becomes a commodity where currency yeah, is, course, yeah. is something you can invest in, right? Yeah. If the, but I, I see the positives, the positives of that and the negatives of it. If there was a way to remove, remove that where currency was always at a stable – You mean Bitcoin was at a stable thing? I'm just talking about currency in general because I'm yeah. – you know, Bitcoin is currency at this point. Yes, I agree. That – what was, what was I even fucking saying? You were talking about fiat currency being stable. Exactly. So when it's a commodity, I just feel like that can only lead in disaster. I just, I just feel like it being a commodity is is what leads to inflation and leads to collapse. You feel like it's more of a stock than it is a yes. currency. Yes, in absolutely. A way. And I completely understand what you're saying in that sense because, especially considering the inflation or not the inflation, but the appreciation of value. In bitcoins, just from the start of 2013 until the end, yeah, it's which a was, volatile which thing, was, man. Which was, it went from thirteen dollars to twelve hundred dollars in that year span. Oh, why didn't I own bitcoin? Right, what the <laughs> hell, you know? And so, that is that's the big thing is 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 there's clearly a volatile nature as far as since it's not backed by all these regulated things, I think that that might be a negative maybe against it not being a regulated currency is that it's much more volatile. And when something like Mt. Gox happens where uh, people get hijacked from you know just this big company that's not doing their shit right, you're going to essentially just like lose all your money. So it's huge volatility mm -hmm. in, that re in that regard. But at the same time, if, we, if, if people keep working and they keep – updating safety features they keep going against the people that are going to be trying to hack against them the way that we do with software in every freaking industry you know like any industry that has like really important software there's going to be hackers and stuff and you have to prevent against those hackers so if bitcoin keeps doing that and they keep actually updating their stuff and keeping up to date i don't see why it couldn't be just as legitimate a form of currency than anything else I really don't. So what happens when everyone moves to Bitcoin and the dollar and everything else is hung out to dry, you know? It's not going to be hung out to dry. No way. I mean, it's still like you're still an American citizen. You will still recognize the American dollar. Yeah. So, it's just like it's just a it's just a diversification of value. Dude. Imagine if America was like we bought all the bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just wanted to invest. But yeah, yeah now like like it's just a diversification of your value that you have derived from your actions. So, you know, if if you feel like your net worth with all of like your dollars is like, you know, say it's 
$100,000. If you decide to put $10,000 of that into Bitcoin, it's just another way for you to possibly able to be able, be able to interact with a market that's willing to exchange goods for that Commodity. specific currency. Yeah. You know, And it's not necessarily you saying like, oh, well, fuck the dollar. I'm going Bitcoin. You, you don't have to choose. It's just a diversification of and, and, yep. and allocation of value. Anyway. I thought this whole like MIT adoption just added further legitimate legitimacy Super to this. Badass. What and about the students? Like, what do they have to say about it? Have you hear anything about that? There was no quotes from the students because it doesn't roll out until next fall. So but still, I mean, like, you would think that they might have something to say about yeah. it. Yeah, like, I'm sure they. I mean, I'm sure there's buzz at the campus. Let's keep up with that one. Okay, totally. I think that that one will be really interesting to see how it plays out and like how some of the smartest people in the world will actually interact with this thing that they've been given. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's true. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize that their undergraduates were only like 4,500. It's like, yeah. shit, that's Dude, a very it's, it's extremely exclusive remote. group. Yes. Yeah. So, hell yeah. Sweet. Well, that's the witty banter. Those are the peaches. Dude, we we're already digi- 53 minutes in. Are you farting me right I'm now? Not far- I'm not cow farting you right now. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we're going to do one segment and then... I think that we're going to do one segment anyway, right? Yeah. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> it's just the way... No, no, no. That's yeah, just the we'll way do... it is. We'll do, a, we'll do a, a segment, then we'll do our mail, and then we'll get out of here. We'll okay. get out of these people's hair. Okay. <laughs> so we just want to talk about the fucking Rockets. Okay? We're not just talking about the Rockets. We're talking about the NBA, the, the playoffs. Okay, fine. We can't be super biased towards the Rockets. Uh, Rockets forever, bro. Well, I'm I'm totally a Rockets yeah, fan, we're but both I'm not Houstonians. gonna like, report as a Rockets fan. I'm gonna report. Yes, you are. As a witty banner. Well, now they know that you're a Rockets viewer. I'm gonna let you know right now that Hunter and I have watched the Rockets games together, and he was all about the Rockets. Okay. That being said, I'm also gonna talk about other teams. Okay. Well, so how do we want to do this? Because Hunter and I are both not sports First analysts. Off, let's say what the segment is, right? It's uh, Witty Banner Sports Nation. From downtown. Oh my god! Hey, this is going to run it off right now. Everybody's going to win the football game. Sports Nation, that's what we're doing right now. So. <laughs> like, perfect. Okay. Okay. First of all, Rockets just won the last game. Bring the series to, to the, the three, series. Yeah, three two to the series, and their weaknesses right now are killing me. Because I think that we should not have been lose. Like if we if we lose this series, which we very well might, because okay. it's it's not it's not very historically precedented that you win three in a row. I agree, I agree. That's disgusting. I really think we have the potential to go so much further. I agree. So far, um, I think the biggest weaknesses that we've really seen is, dude, I know Jeremy Lin like, went off at the very end of the game last, last game, but, dude, Jeremy Lin, inconsistent. as a backup, has made some moves that have really frustrated He's me. He's a very inconsistent He'll player. bring the ball up and like create separation, and where anybody else would have shot, he won't shoot, and he'll hesitate. He loses. He turns over the ball all the time. It infuriates me. Like I, I hate to say it, but just like he's a good basketball player, and he's really smart, and he tries really hard. But that doesn't make him a great athlete. That's true. You know, like, he'll have the ball and, like, stumble around the court, like, just be, like, trying to, like, not lose it. Exactly. Half the time. Yeah, like, he looks like a buffoon. You're just like, you're like, I know that you're good. I'm not trying to say that you're not, that you're bad or anything. It's just like, just do what you're good at. Don't, don't try and, like, 
I feel like he's not like a guard or somebody that should be holding the ball. I think our two he big... needs to be a passer and a provider. Well, that's the thing is he plays point guard, so like that's his job. I know, but I feel like he ends up like holding the ball and like turning it over and doing stupid things. Because yeah, he's a bad point guard. <laughs> I think we have, I think the two biggest I think the two biggest problems and the first one is we need someone else to bring the ball up court, and we need a better point guard. And I don't want to discredit Patrick Beverly because Patrick Beverly is a defensive powerhouse. He he's, is a force to be reckoned if with. If you want, if you want to take my opinion on Patrick Beverly, I think he's the heart and soul of the team. He, no, he absolutely is. Like he's the one. He's been he's on trying harder than everybody he's else been, out there. There's, there's reports where he's on the bus, and he's like, "No one gets on this bus unless you're one." Motivation is to win. Yeah, you know he's all about winning. That's so awesome. He's, he's a, older too, right? Like he's, yeah, he's been in the league for a while. He's like the Derek Fisher of that team. He's kind a of. badass. Yeah, okay, it's awesome. But his strengths lie in defense, not in offense. Mm-hmm. And so then what you have is James Harden. It almost relies on him to be the one who creates the offensive plays. But James Harden is not, in my opinion, a, a good creator. I think. James Harden. He's like a great utilitarian. He's a fucking dope shooter, and he yes. can drive the ball. But right now, we've been giving the giving him the ball, and all he does is ISO his man, step up, and either take a shot, or he doesn't create as far as I can see. Like when he was on OKC, and he was he was a six an man. Addition, well, he was a dude. You could say he's a six man, but he that's was a, that's a good, he was the he got voted the best six man in the he league. He got voted the best six man in the league, but every one of the people that were like commentating are like, okay, well, like it's almost like stupid that we consider him a six man because he's like he's a starter on this team. Like he might not start the game, mm-hmm. but he's playing the majority of the minutes with this right. team. So I, I feel like he's kind of like a great addition Dude, to that star player. He's one of the best adi- he's one of the additions. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Like yes. he, he's sick. Awesome. So I think the Rockets really need somebody who can create offense. We need a star. And one of our big do we got two stars though. We just need Who? fucking what? James Harden, Dwight Howard. Are yeah, you kidding I know, me? But I'm saying one to add to James Harden. I don't one, know. One to make James Harden I mean there was rumors about Roj- the there was one about Rojan Rondo potentially coming. That would have been disgustingly awesome. <laughs> he that is been sick. sick. Okay. Yes. But our biggest weakness, I think, is Coach McHale. And I have noticed that, but what, you think that. What really sucks is Coach McHale's like player development is outstanding, awesome. yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. he makes players better, but and it's really come to light in these playoff situations where we've been in overtime and it's come down to the final minutes of the games. Like anytime it's a clutch play where we need to inbound the ball and score some points. He doesn't even draw plays. He just, <laughs> just, pa- like, they, just pass the bo- they just pass the ball in and then give it to James Harden and he isos his man and then just takes a ridiculous shot and that's it. Like there's how it- could they not come up with something better than that? You know because he's a bad coach. <laughs> so I don't know if anything. If the Rockets do lose this series, I will be optimistic because obviously they just got all of their players this year. And had a little bit of synergy from um, summer training. And they'll go into next season with their squad pretty much set. And they'll get all their chemistry to go in. But also, it's a wake-up call. It's yeah. it's You guys aren't, you know, there was a lot of hype following the Rockets. And yeah. the Rockets were, were these people, you know, it was, we're going to go all the way to the Western Conference Finals. We're the fucking Rockets. We're killing it right now. Yeah. I hope this pisses people, I hope this pisses the players off. And I hope it just makes them drive to do even better. Because, dude, there's even been defensive 
um, plays where James Harden will like lose the ball and and just jog back when there's a breakaway. And it's <laughs> well, like, he's if you don't fucking want it. Horrible than defensive that, player right now. That pisses me off. Right now, he's a horrible defensive player. I think, I think that, that that's a large reason why. I think, I think we're he's these starting games. to understand that people are really getting pissed off about it. I, I saw in the last couple of games him getting some steals on defense and stuff, which is nice, but. I think that he's still it's just he's just naturally so prone to offensive nature that he like forgets about defense half the time. And it infuriates me. So I got I got two questions to bring to the table for okay. you. One Before of, you start, give me the Tarvin. Yes. Tarvin it up. I gotta pop one of these brewskies up. Yeah, okay. So are you on your second one? I'm on my third. Oh maybe I need to catch up, dude. Bro, I'm always out drinking you now. You By the way, that. the uh, the victory dirt wolf double IPA that we bought is uh, delicious. It's, it's a four pack. Oh, dude, we didn't even we didn't have, have time. We did yeah. We'll have time after your questions. Nice. Okay, so my first question. We've had this conversation a little bit before. You said that Mr. McHale, who's the coach for the Rockets, is a great player developer, but he doesn't draw very good plays. My broach to that question <laughs> is why can't you just bring someone on the staff that can write fucking awesome plays, and your response initially in the past, has been, well, it's usually the coach's job to make the best plays and then have somebody else do the player development. So do you think it would be a horrible idea for the Rockets to keep Kevin McHale, keep working on player development, bring somebody that can draw badass plays onto the staff, or do you want a coach that can I'm draw saying, plays on I'm top of the player development? I'm saying keep Kevin McHale, but not as a head coach. Ooh, as br- assistant, maybe. You bring a head coach that can draw plays, and you have Kevin McHale that – develops players because at the end of the day, even if you have badass players, you're not going to win against a coach who's drawing better plays than you, who's like seeing your weaknesses and exploiting I don't know, them. What I do you mean you don't know? LeBron James is like the perfect understanding of like – LeBron James it doesn't is matter also what, one of the best players in basketball. But so that's what I'm just saying. bring him up. But yeah, but that's what, exactly what I'm saying. We it? don't have LeBron James. Yeah, we have a James Harden. And he's pretty damn good. But he, Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like – if you have somebody that can make the shots, it almost doesn't matter what play you draw. But That's we don't have the guy that can make the shots, I think, right now. We do. We just have the so guy. So we need the plays or we need the guy. Yeah. Well, we ain't going to get the guy because we got two awesome dudes and our <laughs> salary is ridiculous. We need the plays. Yeah. We need the plays. Uh, yeah. I almost like can't even remember what the second question that I was going to bring to the table yeah, who cares? was. Uh, you got anything else you want to add to NBA stuff? Um, or? NBA stuff. So... While I am a Houston native and and biased towards Houston, I gotta give my shout outs and my respect to Kevin Durant. I want like if if I could Why? have they're losing the series. If right I now. could have the perfect series, no, I thought that they won the last game. No, they're down. Did they play last night. I th- no, they played Memphis two nights ago. Yeah, they're down to Memphis right now. Three two. Are you serious? I don't know what the I think it's three two or two one. If you're wrong, I'm no no. They're down to Memphis. Because like okay, the last time that I looked, I asked Siri. I was like, "What's the score of the OKC game?" And it was like one hundred one versus one hundred. Yeah, they lost in overtime. They lost in overtime. It said end overtime, and it was one hundred one OKC one hundred Memphis. So um, I really would love for KD to get his first national championship. He's a Longhorn. I think that he's like. One of the most respectable NBA players. Memphis is up three to two. I am so pissed about that. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. So he's me. a Longhorn. You like him a lot. 
like him a lot. I want him to win. He's been the four-time score point-scoring champion in the NBA. I think he deserves it. I think that he's going to be a legend just as much as LeBron James is going to be. I don't. I think his longevity is going to outweigh LeBron's versatility. Uh, nah, that's a bold if statement. You, if you look at Kevin Durant's shot, like, okay, have you ever played NBA, have you ever played NBA Street 2? No. Do you know Do you know who Stretch is on NBA Street? I have no idea. Oh, my God. I'm assuming Anyone he's who got listens, long arms. Who has, listened to, who has played NBA Street 2 and known the glory of that game? <laughs> Kevin Durant in twenty year, or like in ten years is gonna be stretch, which is just this dude with a big afro, like he can dunk the hell out of everybody, and he also has like a super swift shot. Stretch is like what KD is gonna be in my opinion. So you just love KD because he's a Longhorn. I love KD because he's a Longhorn. I think he that I think that he is quote unquote the best player in the game in a different way than LeBron James is. I think LeBron James is like super versatile. Like, if I told if I if if I was gonna have like a one like a two on two match, I would rather have LeBron James just because he could play like any position. He could do anything from anywhere on the court. But I think that KD is more of like a fundamentally sound like superstar that just nails all. I'll, of his... I'll leave you with this: when um, the Rockets we the Rockets have played the Thunder and the Heat, right? And they asked Chandler Parsons, who's the better, who's harder to defend, Durant or it's LeBron? To defend. No, no, LeBron, Durant or LeBron. All he said was, did I just say LeBrant? <laughs> Wait, who, LeBrant. LeBrant. He said Durant, Durant, LeBron. Durant is a better shooter, LeBron's a better player. Ooh. <laughs> so you have to just weigh those two. Yeah. And because that's what like, it comes down to. That but that's ex- that's essentially what I'm saying is is I think that Durant is the best player in the NBA at shooting. I think that he's the best shooter in the NBA. <laughs> that's so why that's you... hard. That's hard <laughs> for me to say that somebody's better than that. You know. Yeah. And plus, I love him so much. Also, well, you got to take it in, into consideration assists and and. You know. Also, the Pacers has been a huge. Bro, the fucking Wizards Surprise. beat the Bulls, man. How dope is that? That's awesome. Well, honestly, I don't really care about the reason why I love this. I think it's cool. I love but... these playoffs so much is because you know it, when you look at NBA, you have these best teams who are always winning, and you can go ahead and assume that they're going to be the ones in the in the championships or whatever. But right now, there's it's almost hard to tell. Miami's, Miami's going to go to the championship. That's not going to be a problem. Well, because the Eastern Conference suck. But you have to think about it this way: if the Eastern Conference is as bad as they are then maybe Miami isn't being tested, whereas the Western Conference is like a fucking dog-eat-dog world out there. But if you think that, but if you think on that note, then you're also thinking that the playoffs have been way more brutal for the Western oh, Conference than the Eastern Conference. So Miami so will be Miami better Western. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, totally. Okay, well. But yeah, we're excited. We like NBA. So, what? Got... That was our only segment that we're going to do for the day. I think we're going to move on to mail, right? Yeah. It's, it's Mail Corner! And Nick's Mail Corner. Nick's Mail Corner isn't loading. What? I don't know if there's been, like, uh... Can you check it out, like, on your phone or something? Or... No, like, I checked it out on, on both on both platforms. His e- like, I can't get his email to pull up. And you, didn't, uh, and you didn't, like, read it beforehand or anything? Mm-hmm. Nope. Can I try? Can you maybe vamp for me? No, we're not going to vamp this whole time. Damn it. Yeah. But 
here's the thing is I have a good idea of what he was going to ask because he texted me. I, I posted a, fa- a, a Facebook status that was like, I'm really excited about something that PlayStation 4 just announced, and it might have sealed the deal for me for buying a PlayStation 4. Damn. And, I, and when he, he texted me, he was like, what's the deal? I was like, just ask me in an email so I can talk about it on the show. So let okay. me go ahead and just talk about it. Okay, right? cool. There's a game called Drive Club coming both to Xbox One and PS4. Okay. Okay, and basically all you need to know about Drive Club is, is it's a racing simulator, much like Forza is, and the graphics are in fucking credible right they have it's like hard for me to imagine even more incredible than what's already out almost. dude it's, it's like it's bl- so it'll nice. blow your shit right so then you have the tarvin i have the tarvin right? cool i can give you the tarvin thank you sir i'm trying to get my third there's your tarvin on so what's really the nail on the back is you're thinking chase it comes on xbox one and playstation 4 playstation 4 is going to have project morpheus support so they're v- that mean bro are you even a part of pa- of the podcast? No, I totally am. Okay, but I don't know what Project Morpheus for PlayStation. That was their is. Oculus Rift answer. Oh, remember okay. their okay. own headset. Okay. So okay. this game, this racing simulator, is going to is going to be in line, or it's going to have support for their virtual reality headset, which means I will be able to put it on and race all these incredible, gorgeous cars in virtual reality. <laughs> and dude, that is sick! Like. <laughs> What's, cause what's Would funny, you buy like one of the things where you can get a pedal and a steering wheel? Oh, and shit? you fucking bet, That'd dude. Because be the biggest reason, honestly, I've been leaning towards Xbox One is because of Forza. Because they have Forza Five, and Forza is an that amazing. That is the biggest reason, bro. Of all reasons Forza, why you could lead Forza towards Forza PS4. 5. I love racing, and Forza Five is an amazing racing game. But if Drive Club comes out in September and also has a virtual reality headset support with it, dude, for a hundred dollars cheaper, come on. Well, you'll probably have to buy something for the virtual reality, right? No, I'll definitely have to buy it, but I can use – that's a whole lot better than buying a $500 console. Then I can buy the $400 console and have the leftover $100 to buy the headset. Yeah. Well, that'll be crazy, man. Like I uh, I love driving games. Gran Turismo 3, I grew up with. Gran Turismo 4, I also grew up with. Dude, the newest Gran Turismo came out like a few weeks ago. Really? On, uh, I guess that was probably a multi-platform PlayStation development. PlayStation 3 only. What? It's because it took so long to develop. It was like a four-year project. Damn, I wonder yeah. if it's really good. It's supposed to be pretty good. Um, But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, um, what What should we really like – what should we act like Nick asked us about the email? What do you mean? Like, like he brought forth this idea, right? What do you think that he was probably trying to ask? I think he just wanted to ask why I was excited, and that's why. Okay. It's because Drive Club is going to have a virtual reality headset support on PlayStation 4. Would that make you buy a PlayStation 4? It's getting close, dude. And like I said before, dude, if at E3, Xbox doesn't do something profound, I think they're going to be in the gutter for the next few years. Because the momentum shift towards PlayStation 4 right now has gotten to the has gotten so substantial that games and software alone, I feel, cannot turn it. I I, th- I truly think that you're gonna either a because right now both consoles are making a little bit little bit of money, a but little like games bit of and consoles. Listen, 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 yeah, a little bit of profit on each console sold. Whereas in the past they've always taken a bath on the console. Yeah, I think if if there's two options, either a Xbox says, we're not going to sell the Kinect with the console, so we're going to make it $100 cheaper okay. to give price parity. Or they say, 
let's just take a loss on profit and sell the Connect and the Xbox for $100 cheaper. I truly think that software alone is not going to sway the tide, dude. I think that $100 price parity is is just too big of a deal. And the fact that every day all you see on all the news outlets is this game announced for PlayStation 4 and Vita. This game announced for PlayStation 4 and Vita. That's what I was going to say. Indie, indie, indie games. All nothing but indie games. Well, I I mean, uh, you know, you say that that software and games aren't going to be able to bring back uh, Xbox from the brink. But it's like, dude, PlayStation 4 is the one that's bringing the games. They're the one that's bringing the multitude of games to to the to the forefront with not necessarily huge blockbuster one-time things, but like they're giving you the biggest variety that you can possibly ask for in regards in in comparison to the Xbox One. Exactly. Right? So the only reason you'd get an Xbox is for the media center stuff, but the media center stuff sucks. But the, but the media it doesn't suck, but it's it's not it's not enough for you to pay a hundred extra dollars and have not as many games. You Not know. only that, but every game runs better on a PlayStation 4 anyway. Because you don't have as many things to hurdle by doing the multimedia software. Exactly. Stuff. So, like, because I've seen the Xbox One in use with with the multimedia interaction, and it is, like, the the when I saw it, they were just like, okay, Xbox, stop. TV, boom. And it was fine. It was great. It, it worked. It worked well. Okay. But... Did that impress you? Yeah. Yeah, going okay. immediately from TV from your game was pretty crazy. Cool. Uh, but, like, if you really want to ask what the value of that means to me, it's the difference from doing it with your controller to your versus voice. doing it with a remote yeah. control for your TV. It's really <laughs> not that big a difference. <laughs> so I feel like I wouldn't pay $100 extra for Xbox to be able to give me Titanfall and to fucking have a connect where like there aren't even that many games that and I really want to Titan- use for connect. Yeah. And speaking of Titanfall, when Titanfall released in March, it still didn't outsell or the Xbox 1 did not outsell the PlayStation 4 in the But month the of Xbox March. 1 came out later, right? No, I mean like in that month. In that month, Xbox came later when it it it, it revealed no, it came no, no, no. public later, right? Than no, PlayStation no, no. I'm, 4. I'm saying that when you take in March the total sales of PlayStation 4s in March, the total sales of Xbox Ones, there was more PS4 sales, even though Titanfall came out in the month of March. Oh, when did they both – when did the consoles release? That's irrelevant compared to March. It, so they didn't release in March? No, the, con- was, the consoles – dude, what? I, I'm so out of it. When did, November, when did, November. 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 God, it's been that long. Yeah. Okay. For some months. reason, like I was con- confusing the, the Titanfall release with the con- console release. No, no, no. Um. But yeah, that's that's pretty telling. Mm-hmm. That was like their big deal. Exactly, like, that's what they wanted. That's I'm what just they're what saying. On. Xbox is in trouble. They need they need to take some egg in the face and own up to their strategy pitfalls and do something this E3. Because if they don't change my mind by E3, dude, it's PS4 all the way. Okay. All right. Well, I'm there with you, man. All right. So before we get out of here, it's time to review these beers. Got to review. Beep up. Beep beep up. Boop. Beep beep beep. <laughs> So how are you feeling about this, man? How's your uh, has your opinion changed? Uh, I'm already on my third beer. Yeah, I think that that is a testament to the drinkability of this beer. Very drinkable, very quaffable. Um, I think that it gives me a forefront of slight bitterness, um, an alcoholic body that I really like, and um, the taste doesn't really linger real long. I feel like it's not. 
it's not like something that's that just dissipates in your mouth, but it's also not something that just this sticks on your tongue for a long time. It's very it, that goes to the drinkability, I guess. So it comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's really it's it's a nice easy beer. So um, all things considered, I really like this beer. I'm gonna give it an eight. An eight. Yeah. It's a great beer. I. It's a great beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So with me, I love all the. I love the smell of the hops. I love the taste of the hops. I think the bitterness, like you said, comes comes forward first. You kind of get the bitterness. You get the taste of the hops. I think the bitterness doesn't linger too long. I do think the aftertaste of hop stays on your tongue for a while, which I really like. It's high in alcohol. High in alcohol percentage. It drinks really well. I'm gonna give this beer an 8.5. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's a great beer. I yeah. fucking dig this. Like I'm totally there with you. Cool. Because, yeah, this is a good beer, man. I really like it. So, di- what is it? Dirt Wolf. Dirt Wolf. Dirt Wolf Double IPA from Victory Brewing Company. Kudos. Yes. Good job. There you go. If you and hell, if you like this one, you want to check out more stuff by Victory. They got this one called Victory at Sea, which is like their stout. It was fucking amazing. It tastes like chocolate. They got tons of stuff you can get. I think Golden Monkey is by them. Golden Monkey's really good. Yeah. And if you uh, if you if you try this beer out, or if you want to try this beer out, and you want to maybe uh, listen alongside and see if you if you want to, you know, you want to add your opinion on top of what we're reviewing it. You can email us. Yes, if you want to contact us, ask us any question you want, weigh in on our beer reviews or of our news stories, uh, our email address is wittybantershow at gmail.com. Yes. You can also find Witty Banter at wittybantershow.com just to get the episode straight. You can subscribe to Witty Banter on iTunes. Just type in Witty Banter on the little I on the little uh, so easy. the podcast app. Boop, boop. Every time we beat a boop and put an episode up, it downloads straight to your to your little box. You'll look up on your Fridays or Saturdays and be like, oh, my God, what a banner. What a banter. I totally love them. I totally like them. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are at Witty Banter Show on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase on Twitter. Hunter is at Diesel Door Set. Yes, sir. And that's all the avenues that you can consume everything banter. It's like it's starting to weigh on me, like how many things that we've done. I know. I'm getting tired. Provide these to people. I'm getting tired of saying them, honestly. <laughs> Anyway, so y'all should access us, please. We love you. That's been episode 22. I think we have only one more episode planned in the future before we both go to Europe, and hopefully we're going to make it special for you guys. But until then, we will see you next time. We love you. Biddle bip. We're out. Bip bop.